Thanks for checking out the Church RC podcast today. If you're new to the church or you want to learn more about us, you can always check us out at thechurchrc.com. Or we would love for you to stay connected throughout your week and everywhere you go with the Church RC app. Available for free anywhere you download apps. Without further ado, stand on your feet. Give a Church RC welcome to Pastor Lawrence Neeson. You know, we are having this opportunity to meet each other because Jesus drew us in once upon a time. Come on, let's thank him. Let's give him all the glory and honor and praise that he deserves. We honor the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, this risen King. He's an undefeated King fighting on our behalf, awakening the purposes of God within us to transform the world around us. Lord, we just invite you to have your way this morning. I thank you for this profound expression of heaven on earth in our time of worship. And we just long to taste and see the goodness of God more so today than we've ever even known before. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, I want us to understand a a really key phrase. I'm going to talk in phrases a bit. I tend to do that. And uh, we'll have just a few moments together today, and God wants to bring a wonderful encounter that he will perpetuate a rhythm that will set something into motion that will change your life and establish a legacy that will outlive you. Did you get all that? God wants us to have an encounter that will perpetuate a motion, that will develop a rhythm that will outlast your life. It's called legacy. And so today is about an encounter. But the encounter is bigger than the moment we're going to encounter because he's an eternal God. He's not bound by time. So a moment isn't enough to contain the promises of God. He's going to awaken something within you, transform the world around you, and leave a legacy of transforming power as a result of your surrendered available life. I'm convinced that's what God is telling me he wants to do. I'm not interested in being your positive motivational speaker for the day. You've got an anointing on this house. I just want you to know, uh, Tracy and I, I'll be in Wisconsin in a few days. We travel and speak a lot. We lead a church in Oklahoma City, um, and, and we get to experience a lot of worship forums. And I'm only saying that to you to say this. You not only have an excellence about your worship, you have an anointing that is profound in this house. I want you to understand what I'm saying, because I wouldn't say if it weren't the case, I'd just kind of move along. But you really have been given a gift and a treasure of pressing into God's presence. Your team is releasing something of heaven through a gateway of their gift that awakens something within the heart of humanity and impacts this society, this culture all around. So what we're going to do is I want you to understand Job 27, 23 says, we hiss the enemy away by the clapping of our hands. So when I'm saying something like what I just said, and it kind of resonates what God, what's going on, God's awakening something within you so that you then will bring an expression to your world. He doesn't just bring you an experience. He's trying to produce an expression in your own life. You weren't just born for merely possessing an experience. You were born to provide an expression. So when that starts to be awakened within you, and I say something, or Pastor Brian's preaching, or Pastor Crystal's preaching, they're bringing something, and it starts to kind of awaken something within you. For you to bring an expression, and kind of in a sense, in the natural realm, what we think is, bravo, chat, bravo, that was great. You know, we kind of think that's what's going on, but what's actually going on, God has awakened something within you to do damage to the kingdom of the darkness. With the clapping of your hands, you're hissing the enemy away. Will you join me and hiss the enemy away? In Jesus' mighty name. Hey! 
God awakens things within us to change the world around us. Genesis chapter 17 says, when Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, you will be the father of many nations. You will be the father of many nations. I will make you very fruitful. I will make nations of you and kings will come from you. And Abram believed as the rest of us believe anytime we hear anything from God. And he poked his chest out and said, yea and amen, I am a mighty man of the Lord. And finally, God hath seen how mighty I am. That's not what it says. But for some reason in the church, it's like that's what we feel like needs to happen. Abram heard all these promises from God and he fell down on his face and laughed so hard, he almost wet his girdle. I mean, I don't know really what the context of all that really is about, but he laughed so hard because it was like, I don't even believe. Listen, I had a conversation with God one day standing on the front lawn of our church and there's a strip mall beside our church. And I looked over and saw the strip mall as I was just praying. And the Holy Spirit said, that strip mall belongs to you. And I responded like most of you would respond. No, it doesn't. It was the laughter of Abraham. And the Holy Spirit said it does. And so I told our uh, person, our team, contact whoever owns it, get a meeting. We, he came over. He sat down in my office. And I said, hey, uh, you know, I don't know what you believe, uh, you know, about God. But I just felt like the Lord was telling me to talk to you about the facility. And, and he said, oh, well, what space are you wanting to rent? The United States Army's in there. Southern Nazarene University's in there. A bunch of different tenants. And I said, well, honestly, I felt like God was telling me that I was to talk to you about owning the facility. He shut his book, pushed it back, leaned back in his chair, and he said, finally. And I said, well, what do you mean? He said, I am a Christian. God spoke to me several years ago to buy that property, condition it, prepare it, get it leased out because I was supposed to transfer it into the hands of this church right next door. And I've been waiting for a call. Come on. Some of y'all got to understand you're hissing some things off of your life as you're celebrating breakthrough right now. I didn't have big faith, but I didn't have to have big faith because Jesus is the type of God who will do great things with just a little stuff if we'll put it in his hands. And so God shows up and has this conversation with Abram in Genesis 17, and he's talking about all this. But I want you to understand it wasn't just in Genesis 17 when God spoke this to Abraham. He had told him in Genesis 12, he'd given him a visual of the stars in Genesis 15. This was the third time Abraham heard it, and still Abraham was struggling with what God was trying to get him to believe. I want you to understand something very important today, really key thing that you write down, talked about it a little bit with the leaders yesterday. God wants his will in your life more than you want God's will in your life. You want God's will in your life. I know you do. That's why you're here. However much you're desperate for God's will in your life, he's a wonderful father who wants his will in your life even more than you do. He is, he is, he's crazy about getting his will. He doesn't just send his word and have a conversation and hope you get it. He sends his word to dwell with you, to bring his purposes to pass. And his word stays with you. Even if his word has to endure being killed and crucified and beaten and put into a tomb, that word will come back to life and it will fulfill God's purpose and awaken you to everything God wants you to do. Has anybody here ever stumbled before? I've stumbled a few times. I actually fell off of a platform once. It was higher than this. 
And I was speaking, and there was a team supposed to come up, and I was supposed to go off at this cued time, and so it was a cued time. And, and I got my microphone, and I grab a, a, a music stand just like that. And it's got stuff on it, and I start my way down, and I, tr- I trip and stumble, and I fall from a three-foot platform all the way down right at my wife's feet. Just as she's sitting here, I fell with my elbows right in front of her toes. And the microphone was right at my face. And when you land on your diaphragm from three feet up, you do this in the microphone. And, and they got a great recording of that. And people actually bought it and played it back for me over and over because Satan is alive in the church sometimes. And, and, and I fell. But when I fell down, it was crazy. Everything on the stand remained. And I still had the microphone. And so I, I'm, I'm, you know, think fast, think fast. And I just jump up and I'm holding everything. And I said, and when you fall down, you get back up, you get back up. You don't stay down, you get back up. <laughs> This is what I've learned. This is what I've learned about the kingdom of God. Anytime you stumble, God just turns it into a dance. Anytime you stumble, God just turns it into a dance. And then he uses your dance to inspire others to understand that no matter where they've stumbled, no matter what their problems have been, no matter what the circumstances have been, no matter how poor their decisions have been, if they'll just allow him, he'll turn their stumble into this beautiful dance that will inspire others to know God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above and beyond all that you can ask or imagine, even if you have messed it up. See, I I traveled uh, overseas to Africa, and when I went there, they said, you know, you've got to have these injections, and and those are no fun, and went in to find out everything I had to get, and one of those injections was yellow fever. And when I got that yellow fever shot, by the nighttime, my eyes were hot. I was about 101 degree uh, temperature. It's a living vaccine. And, uh, and I actually had a touch of yellow fever. Let me explain why, because it's very significant to what I want to talk to you about today. A brief exposure to what would normally kill you creates strength within you to conquer that which tries to take your life. Wow. Wow. See, the devil is like a serpent. The Bible describes him as a serpent. And I've learned that when a serpent bites you, that you simply need what's called the anti-venom that is actually made from the venom of the serpent to survive the bite. And some of you in the room have been bitten by the enemy and you don't yet understand how this is actually part of the plan. But God sent me here today that we might have a conversation to begin to understand a little more of how this applies to you. So let me just say again, a brief exposure to what would normally kill you creates strength within you to conquer that which tried to kill you. And so this is significant because Jesus in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 21, the Bible says, he who knew no sin became sin in order that the righteous requirements of the law, or in order that you and I might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Jesus was exposed to and became sin to become the cure for sin to all humanity. I don't know what you've been exposed to. I don't know what you've been through, but God's trying to make you into a vaccine and a cure for the people around you when you begin to behave and follow after Jesus. The problems and the pain of your past become purpose in the hands of God when you're willing to allow him to have control. 
When you stumble, God just turns it into a dance. People around you begin to be inspired. See, sometimes God redeems our past. Sometimes, sometimes when I'm preaching, I just sense the Lord just stop. I was preaching in a church, and, and th- this is what happened just now, by the way. I was preaching in the church, and the Holy Spirit said, if the church will pray, bombs will not explode. And I just stopped preaching. The sermon wasn't going that well anyway. I just stopped preaching for a moment. And I said, I just heard the Holy Spirit say, if the church will pray, bombs will not explode. That was in Derbyshire, England. And that was Sunday. And on Tuesday, they found 17 bombs in London that did not explode. I believe the church is a force to be contended with against the kingdom of darkness. We just need to be awakened to the purposes of God. Come on, sometimes. Sometimes we just race through the stuff God's giving us before us, and we don't really pause. Listen, God doesn't just want you to read the book in your devotion time. He wants you to sit with the author. Let's take some time to awaken what God's wanting to awaken. I just hear the Lord saying, he's awakening this as I say this. Sometimes God redeems your past. How many of you have a past? Can I just see? You have a past. How many of you have an embarrassing family member? Just raise your hand if you have an embarrassing. Those of you who are not raising your hand, you probably are the (laughs) embarrassing family member. Sometimes God redeems our past by surrounding us with people who need to hear our story so our past never becomes their future. Sometimes that's the way God redeems our past. See, your struggles in life actually produce your strength. When Tracy and I were first married and we were struggling with our marriage, and we were, and we went to a marriage counselor, and, and then we went to another marriage counselor. I did mention that I overdosed on drugs a couple of times. I was a real mess, and she had to put up with a lot to stay married to me, and I just say thank you to you publicly. Uh, for that. And as we walked through three different marriage counselors, and I mean fighting for our marriage to work, um, we have been married for 28 years this year. Um, and we're so thankful. But it took a lot of blood, sweat, and tears, and a lot of books we were reading, and a lot of counseling and coaching. But guess where one of our greatest strengths are and what we bring to the kingdom of God now? We know how to work out problems in a marriage. Wow. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's like some people say, man, our marriage was so rocky. We could never have a marriage ministry. No, your marriage was so rocky. You worked out so hard. That's where you're the strongest now. That's why Jesus says in our weakness, that's where we are made strong. What area of your life is weakness that you've been dismissing that God actually wants to pull out of the closet and show us his trophy of grace? Look what I can do. Look what I can do. Some of y'all just need to hiss the enemy away from some marriages right now. Come on, that's what we're doing. We're just engaging our faith in what God's desiring to do. Your struggles produce your strength. And what we do many times is we don't treat our struggles correctly. We don't see them the way God wants to see them. And what God wants to do is take the area of your life that has been your struggle and actually use it powerfully in your destiny to shape your life and to impact the lives of other people around you. I'll give you a couple of ideas in this in Scripture. How many of you are glad for the story of, of Jonah? What an amazing story. You ever read that? J- Nineveh. I mean, if you're familiar with Veggie Tales, you know Nineveh was a horrible place, slapping people with fishes and all the things that were going on there in Veggie Tales. I mean, it gives us an indication. And so here's Jonah, and God tells him, go to, to Nineveh, and, and, and Nineveh is in a state of disobedience. Everybody say disobedience. Just make sure we understand what God was asking Jonah to go and address. And what did Jonah do? Jonah disobeyed. Yeah. 
Jonah was called to go address disobedience, but instead of going to address disobedience obediently, he disobeyed and went the wrong way. Do you understand what God was doing was working with him in his moment of weakness, in his place of struggle, to produce a strength so he would become a vaccine for the disobedience going on in a nation and show up and say, listen, you have got to believe God wants to do something. I don't know if you know what it was, but I've been in the belly of a whale for three days and I came up on the shore. I know God can reach you no matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, no matter what you smell like, no matter what you look like. no matter how bad, no matter how bad, come on. God's not afraid of your weakness. God's not afraid of your disappointments. God's not afraid of your discouragement. God's not afraid of your willful sin. He's not afraid of it. He wants to use it. He wants you to bring it to him and allow him to have it. Jesus hanging on the cross and off in the shadow, Peter is over there. And Peter says, I have nothing to do with him. Little girl scares him to death. I have nothing to do with him. And to prove it, he's calling down curses and he's cussing in the corner while Jesus is dying on the cross. Yet God never took his eye off of Peter to be the one that in just a very brief time after that would deliver the inaugural address of the birth of the New Testament church on a powerful day when 5,000 people, would you help me today? I need some help clapping it in and declaring it. Somebody shout amen. Somebody declare with me. I don't need you to clap for me. I want you to participate in what God's desiring to release in the room. There are shouts that bring down walls of Jericho. Those walls speak of impenetrable perspectives that seem to be impossible to break through. You can break through in your situation. You've just got to get your shout right. You can hiss the enemy away. You've just got to get your clapping right. You can dance like David did and bring the presence of God back into your home. You've just got to get your dance right. All these things in scripture that tell us how to worship are prescriptions to expand God's kingdom and push back the gates of hell because the gates of hell will not prevail against the alive and awakened church. Hey! We tend to look at our past incorrectly. All of your suffering, all of your pain, all of your disobedience, everything that almost killed you, knocking you to your knees making you secretly feel worthless. God wasn't trying to kill you. He was trying to make a cure out of you. I've stood before a variety of forms of people and said, I know what it is to be sexually molested as a child by a trusted family member who was supposed to be watching over me. I know what that's like. But that does not hold me captive. That does not define me. It might explain me, but it does not define me. I tell you what defines me, the cross of Jesus Christ that liberates me beyond. And I believe no matter what you've been through, God can make you whole. He can make you complete. You can rise up and be everything he's called you to be. Because you survived, you built up this immunity to what others need from you right now. If you survived abuse, willful sin, rape, betrayal, pain beyond comprehension, God left you in the earth because he needed you to be a cure for people who've suffered some of those very same things in their life. You've got to be who God's called you to be. 
I don't want to just preach you up today. I want to make a deposit from heaven in your heart that is an encounter that perpetuates something of momentum that produces a rhythm that will outlast you and you will leave a legacy in the lives of other people that are awakened to the purposes of God. That's the church of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, a multi-generational church. We were, anybody had the flu lately, man? We walked through the flu and nonsense in our house. I don't know what it was. It was awful is the word. I felt like we were in a leper's colony. I didn't want anybody to come over. And I was laying in bed. I'd been in bed for a few days, and I don't like, you know, just sit around and veg on TV. I like to be a little purposeful. And, man, I just, I was spent, I was laying there, and I just turned on the TV, and, and there it was. Somebody that reminds me a lot of myself, Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> Why do you laugh? And there, there was Terminator. How many of you have seen Terminator? Raise your hand high, sinners. <laughs> yep, I saw Terminator. I turned that off because I'm holy. No, I watched it. I watched the whole thing, start to finish. I watched it, and there he was, man. He was rocking it, you know, these gadgets from the future. They come back, and... And there, some of them are coming back to help Sarah Connor, and some are coming back to kill Sarah Connor. And Sarah Connor's a waitress, and she's saying, why are they trying to kill me? And, and the, the, the machines say, they're not trying to kill you because of who you are. They're trying to kill you because of who you're going to become. Yeah. And I'm just here today to say the enemy's really not trying to destroy you because of who you are. He's simply trying to cause you not to become who God's called you to be because you're called to lead a revolt against darkness and release. Would you help me today? I just want you to join in and let's declare we are the army of the living God. We are the giant killers of this generation. We move mountains. We kill giants. That's who we are. The more we come into a greater revelation of who Jesus is calling us to be, the greater threat we become to the enemy. And whatever you're praying for right now, whatever you're asking God for right now, God wants to blow your mind. So, you know, we started in that little conversation between God and Abraham and, and Abraham just coming to God and he saying, oh God, you promised me a son. When do I get my son? I want to have my son. And in that moment in time, God starts having a conversation with him about kings and priests and nations that are going to come from him. Do you understand what you're asking for is not God's perspective. It's a piece. It's a seed. It's an element that takes you into a broader perspective of what God's desiring to do. Because 42 generations after that conversation of a man that's just saying, if I could only have one son, 42 generations after that conversation, Jesus comes out of Mary's womb and says, I am the seed of Abraham. He had no idea what God had in mind. Oh, what does God have in mind in your life today? Holy Spirit. Come on, let's just stand together. <coughs> Holy Spirit. Awaken something within us to transform the world around us, taking us deeper into the purposes of God so that we can have a broader understanding of not just who we are, but who you've called us to become. I hear the sound of heaven in this room today. I hear the sound of heaven in this room today. I want you to know there are three kinds of people in the world. 
The sound of heaven comes from the bugle, from the, the shouts, the, 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 the sounds of the angels. And the sound of heaven sweeps over all humanity. And there are three types of people. There are people who have their heads down and they're working and they're distracted and they're doing the stuff that they want to do. And they never hear the sound of heaven. And then there's a second group of people. They hear the sound of heaven. If everyone would look up, they hear the sound of heaven. They look up. Some of us have heard the sound of heaven and we've started to look up today. But then the sound of heaven fades in their hearing and they go back to living their distracted lives. But there's a third group of people, and I'm calling on you to be that third group of people. They hear the sound of heaven. They not only hear the sound of heaven, they're attentive to the sound of heaven. They're not only hearing and attentive to the sound of heaven, they begin to make the sound of heaven. We are the sound of heaven in the earth. You are the sound of heaven in the earth. Come on, if you're not where you need to be in your relationship with Christ, then I want to ask you to lift both your hands in a place of surrender. I don't know if that's big or small. It might be a little area God's dealing with you. You might never pray to receive Christ as your Lord and Savior. But if that's you, I want you to don't, don't hesitate. Just lift both your hands. We're disagreeing today. Come on, God is redeeming, restoring. He's dealing with some areas in our hearts. Lord, I just thank you for all of these wonderful people. All of these people, Lord, that you have called into a greater perspective and disposition of the revelation of Christ and the rhema of who you are. Lord, we surrender our lives in this posture of our hands lifted before you. And we say, Lord, forgive us where we've tried to make our lives great. And Lord, teach us what it is to lay our lives down and follow the example of Christ. Die to ourselves so that you will live through us and the sound of heaven would be heard in our neighborhoods and in our workplaces, in our grocery stores, among our friends, everywhere we go. Let the sound of heaven come out of who we are and other people would be awakened to the purposes of God. In Jesus' mighty name we pray, amen, amen. If you agree with that, why don't you shout amen and give him a praise. We give him praise. I want to just tell you something that I felt compelled to share in the, in the first service, and I want to do it again in here. I'm really honored to be here, and I love what I sense is going on in this place. I love the church. And when there's a living church that's really hungry for more, I thrive in that. And I will be continuing to pray for you and your leadership team. But I want you to hear me carefully because I'm not just a guest speaker who's been invited in to chat with you. I'm a father figure to the house. That's what an overseer does, works in an offering a covering. And so I'm going to step through a doorway here and just have a brief conversation with you on a different level than maybe I would as a guest coming into a church. God is asking us to learn to live sacrificial lives that put him at the center where we stop asking Jesus to move over and we sit on his throne and make life all about us. For us to really discover what it is, we have to contend for a consecrated lifestyle where we're fasting, praying, really devoting ourselves in a sacrificial expression on behalf of, of the love of Christ and the lives of other people. And I want to call you to that, and I want to challenge you to that, and it's going to cost you a lot. The, the kingdom of God is not about something that's cheap and easy. See, this is what happens. The church seems to fight for easy what we really need to do is stop fighting for easy and just get in a fighter's frame of mind. No matter what comes our way, we are people who thrive in a place of challenge. That's just who we are. You and I are called to be men and women of faith. And I want to challenge you with your loving, with your serving, and with your giving. 
that we would see the kingdom expand and souls saved. I'm declaring 1,300 plus come to your Easter service. 100 salvations take place in Jesus' name. I'm in agreement with the vision. That doesn't happen unless you take these excellent cards. I'm just yoking. It only gets worse. Take these cards and invite your friends. Listen, there's some people who need to come experience the atmosphere of giant killers and mountain movers like yourselves. You've got to get people out to come to that. Nobody asked me to do this. We didn't have any conversation about this. I'm just compelled to father a little bit right now. Our loving, our serving, our giving, our making ourselves available. And let me just tell you, when you get your giving right, God begins to answer that. There's a man in our church who recently told me, I'm sorry, pastor, I've been doing things my way. And I know God wants to bless me, but he'll never give me his stuff my way. He'll only give me his stuff his way. I've been justifying being generous in other ways, and I'm not tithing. And he said, I repent to you, and I repent to God, and I'm going to begin to tithe. That was just a matter of a few months ago. And on my drive to this place, that man called me on the phone. He said, somebody just called me and said, they want to give a half a million dollars to my dream, my vision, my business. A half a million dollars opened up in his life. You just test and see what God might do when you begin to get yourself in that disposition and you believe for big things for God to begin to unlock. I believe God can do great things. And this is a natural principle as well as a spiritual one. You don't say to a fire, give me heat, then I'll give you wood. You don't say to the bank, give me interest, then I'll give you an investment. And you don't say to God, give me the harvest, and then I'll give you some seed. I'm not a prosperity preacher, but God wants to prosper your life, and he wants to do it in a way that's healthy. And he wants to be Lord of everything in who you are. And I just say, let's be awakened to the deeper purposes of God. In Jesus' mighty name. At The Church RC, we aim to help you encounter Jesus. If this ministry has blessed you in any way, and you would like to contribute financially, you can go to thechurchrc.com slash giving. If you have a story to share about how God is moving in your life, send us an email at amen at thechurchrc.com. Thanks and have a great week.